Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I bet the Easter Bunny doesn't have to deal with this. This week on the Story Song Podcast. Well, ho, 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 and a very happy <laughs> holidays. Welcome, everyone, to the Story Song Holiday Special. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. It's Father Christmas by the Kinks. Great story song, great holiday song. Very merry. So lighthearted and merry. It, yeah, it is. I mean, it walks the line, I think. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't do the thing of like... Ugh, we're pugs. Christmas is bad. Everything's boo. Like it actually has like a good point to it. Like it's not just like dark to be like dark. You know what I mean? It's not quite there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas, but it's not have a holly jolly Christmas. Is that the two spectrums on which those are you- the spectrums for me? <laughs> <laughs> those are those are my two those are my two spectrums. There are a lot of Christmas songs that have that that Look, the holidays are a sentimental time of year. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's always, not always, but there are a lot of Christmas songs that have a certain degree of melancholy to them. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that type of song. Then there's the Holly Jolly song. This is a completely different category. This is the weird kind of sort of Holly Jolly, sort of upbeat, a little bit ironic, but also there's a harsh bit of reality to it. Yeah. Also a take on society. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It has a little bit of everything for the holiday season. <laughs> I mean, I like this one because I think it can't be misinterpreted. A lot of like there's, you know, but only in my dreams, you know, right. that I think people <laughs> miss. Right. You yeah. know, there's um, what's the line? There's a line in Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas that gives it away, you know, where it's like, by the way. Actually, this is not a Merry Christmas. Sorry. <laughs> right, right, sorry, right. To, sorry to tell you. But um, this one, I don't think you can, you can't, you can't miss it, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Like, you, kn- you know what this song is about. There's no, there's no gussing it up to, to, to make it a holly jolly. Right. You know? Like, this, right. this song is definitely a, there's no snow in Africa. Like, you know, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is a no snow in Africa, but they pretend like it's a holly jolly. They try to push it over to holly jolly. Even though we know. I think, I mean, this is not about Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, but <laughs> that's the brilliance of that song where it's, it's a, 
the the character trying to convince themselves that it's a merry little Christmas, even though it's not. It's a torch song. It's a song about longing, right? At Christmas. Well, while I agree with you, I just remember the line, which is, "But until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow." Yeah. Right. So it's telling you, this is not. We're not having a merry little Christmas. Yeah. We're, we're hoping someday in the future that we will. But right. right now we're not. But again, you put some horns and some Brian Tester on there. You can push it towards a holly jolly. If people are not paying attention, you can make that song a holly jolly. But even this song, listen, we're going to get into it. We do this yeah. all the time, especially I feel like with our <laughs> holiday songs, we, we just front load it. But we'll get into it. But this song does kind of, it doesn't hide it. And it's not anybody's fault. Much like with a lot of our songs, if you're half listening to it and you're not digging into the lyrics... Right. You're just singing like you do think it's kind of just a punky song like Father Christmas, give us a money. Do, 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 do. And you think it's just a peppy little song about, yeah, we just want money. Right. But you don't if you're not listening to the lyrics in full, which we'll get to guys, we're going to get to the lyrics at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not listening to the lyrics in full, you just think it's that kind of a song where it's just, yeah, give us the money. We don't need stinking toys. But the more you read into it, the more you realize it's about, it's much deeper than just a couple of punks who want some money. Right. Yep. Well, I mean, it's funny because, you know, we talk about, we always get on this topic with our holiday specials, but like, cause these are songs that you hear every year. Right. And usually you're distracted, right? When you hear them, mm-hmm. not always, but for the most part, you're at a party, you're at a store or whatever. And when I had suggested this one, Michael did the write up on this one, but I had suggested it. And Michael was like, I don't know if I know this song. And I was like, there's literally no chance you've never heard it. Like, this, <laughs> yeah. You've heard the song. Like, yeah. it's impossible that you haven't. Just because if you're around <laughs> at Christmas time, sooner or later, you're going to hear it. Like, it is. And that's true of all Christmas songs. Like, it's yeah. just inescapable. Right. <laughs> There's just so many of them. <laughs> so, yeah. That could be played. But to your point, like, either you're you're at a party, you're, you're shopping, you're right. mugging a mall Santa. Sure. <laughs> There's so much going on in December. I mean, it's just flies by no matter what you're doing. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, All right. Well, on that note, Michael, why don't you tell us the story of this story song? Dan, like you said, it's a very straightforward story. Mm -hmm. I'm going to disagree. I think there are two possible interpretations here. So on the surface, this is a song about a department store Santa who fondly recalls the Christmas where he was mugged by a gang of kids. Ah, Memories. But in reality, this is a song about a bunch of kids asking Santa for a practical gift. (laughs) Yeah. To quote Lucy and Charlie Brown, I never get what I really want. I always get a lot of stupid toys or a bicycle or clothes or something like that. What is it you really want? Real estate. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, These are about kids who have a a solid head on their shoulders. Yeah. They're like. We want money so that we can invest it mm-hmm. yeah. for the future. Yeah. Yeah. What's the ROI on this dolly? <laughs> now that you mention it, I could use a new ledger for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm still a kid. I still want the Lisa Frank ledger. Like, I still want it to have a unicorn, like a, like a completely insane neon unicorn on the front. But inside, it's all numbers. It's all accounting. 
And that, but that unicorn should have glasses on and be studiously sitting at a desk. Correct. Filling out its own unicorn ledger. Correct. I could yeah. also use a calculator, but again, still a kid. So get me the one with the the face, the professor calculator with the with the eyeglasses. It does still have to be able to say boobs at some point. Yeah. No, please. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say the professor said that. The professor said that. <laughs> when I was smart, I believed in Can we just talk briefly about the intro to the song musically? What's very cool about that, I think, is that it it starts with the sound of almost a, a more traditional Christmas song. It has the jingle bells. It has like that piano. It sounds like it's going to be like a jingle bell rock kind of that, like an right. upbeat, peppy Christmas song. And then you get into that more... That sound sort of belies the the content of the song that's coming up, but then you get into that more kind of aggressive sound. Yeah. Yes. I mean, in some cool. ways, I mean, this is 77 and punk's still pretty new. Not that this mm-hmm. is like the punkiest song ever, but I mean, this, you know, this does feel for punk like what Rocky Around the Christmas Tree is, right? This is probably one of the first songs like this right where like sort of the sure. new rock now has its own christmas anthem yeah. yeah when when did punk kind of start i mean the kinks are proto-punk yeah. that's the thing like it it sort of starts you know it's probably like 76 77 okay is when it's like really coalesces into a into a thing um before that it's you know it's it's kind of a bunch of different thing it's sort of a primordial stew that's sort of forming into something you have stuff like the mc5 and the stooges that you know they're earlier and later people would be like oh i guess that was kind of punk but at the time they were just like those people took too much acid and they're freaking out um yeah i but i think this is probably maybe the first like concentrated effort to do that starting with the the sort of jingle bell sound is awesome especially that it comes back later Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. a great moment like it's not just for effect; it actually like comes back around and and is used really well. So that's super cool, and kind of shows that they you know the Kinks weren't just punks; they actually knew what they were doing. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they actually yeah. knew how to like write and construct good songs. Yeah. So, so let's start here at the top. He says, "When I was small, I believed in Santa Claus, though I knew it was my dad." Okay, I'm gonna stop right there and just say, "Yeah, obviously." Your dad was Santa Claus's helper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's Santa Claus got a lot of helpers out there. So I'm glad that you have carefully understand there's the real Santa Claus and then there's Santa Claus's helpers, right? And that's and your dad was one of them. So mm-hmm. because you believe in Santa Claus cuz he's real, mm-hmm. he's a real person. 
Mm-hmm. And then and then your dad would dress up like Santa Claus, being in contact with the real Santa Claus and getting his orders as one of Santa Claus's helpers. Yes. Um, as is is the Santa Claus in the mall and any other Santa Clauses that you see. Um, I went to the supermarket today and there was one outside ringing the bell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this this is, I've never seen that before. No. And he was like kind of blocking the door. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm all for charity, but I, Step I just got to pick up a couple of things. So anyway, <laughs> it was weird. Did you knock um, him over like, like a hooligan? <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, I mugged him. I kicked you were him like, have you ever heard the song <laughs> Father <laughs> Christmas? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, actually, I don't think, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and he fell over. Um, and I would hang on my stocking at Christmas, open my presents, and I'd be glad. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Sounds good. Yeah, that sounds great. So far, so good. So this is, that is kind of like, like in a TV show, that's the flashback to like mm-hmm. the really early, you know what I mean? That's when they have like the other kid actor playing, yep. and then it, <laughs> and then it jumps forward. And then now it's, you know, who I don't know, like Paul Rudd, but they put a wig on him and they're pretending he's 27. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Yep. And then later he's going to be his actual age. But it's like at some point they're like, well, we got to use the real Paul Rudd. So he's just going to have to pretend we'll put like a long haired wig on him and just like yeah. try to pretend like he's, you know, again, in his 20s. Um, yeah. Paul Rudd, the worst possible example, because he's yeah. looked exactly the same. Yeah. I, I don't know I what mean, are you talking look, about here. I'm going to say this. As he Don't looks good, he looks good for fifty. Go back and watch Clueless. All I'm saying, it's not like he hasn't aged at all. You could definitely tell the difference. That's all I'm saying. First of all, of course you could tell the difference between <laughs> Clueless well, I'm saying, and him now. Act like he's, he he's hasn't not, aged at all. He's uh, well, yeah, he's not. Okay, fine. Immortal, you know what? I take it back. I take but, it back. Give me an actor who's aged poorly. Go ahead. Give me one, and then I'll I'll accept Ava it. A <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to be fair, Abe Vigoda looked the same for actually, like fifty years. That's true. He actually he looked the same when he was fished than he did when he was doing. As um, I'm saying, look who's talking. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he just actually he aged great. He just never looked good. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, you could. You, I mean, in some ways, you could say Abe Vigoda was the Paul Rudd of the seventies. <laughs> yeah, and that he always looked the same. <laughs> Well, it's like God bless him. There's that thing that was going around. Like, did you know that when Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon, he was the same age that Paul Rudd? So, so we'll do Wilford Brimley and Paul. Yeah, Rudd. yeah, yeah. Wilford Brimley. Movie. Yeah. Wilford Brimley go. will play the older Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. He says, "But the last time I played Father Christmas, I stood outside a department store. Mm-hmm. A gang of kids came over and mugged me Eesh. and knocked my reindeer to the floor. And." That is not like a reindeer decoration. That is an actual reindeer. Do you know oh, how actually, big those things are? Oh, yeah. These are some tough kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reindeer probably didn't see it coming because it was like, yeah. well, I weigh like two tons. Yeah. So there's no <laughs> exactly. way these guys. There's and no then way. all of a sudden, he was like, whoa, what the? <laughs> wow, those kids pushed me over. I did not see that coming. Well, the reindeer was distracted. He was like, is my nose glowing? Right. <laughs> First of all. like. They're just like, wait, can I get up if I get pushed over? I, gen- I don't think I've ever been on the ground before. I'm generally I'm a not sure what's going to happen. No. Uh, <laughs> do we sleep if- standing up? I, do horses do that? Do they? You know what's weird? You know what's weird? I've never really thought about it. I've never. How do I sleep? I've never really thought about it before. 
Do I lay down? No, I don't so think so. Weird. But how would I sleep standing up? That also doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I must lay down. I keep getting these emails about discounts on mattresses. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Ray Davies is like, would you shut up? I'm trying to deal with these kids. They're, I'm literally being mugged right now. You're talking about how you sleep. I know, but I've oh, never been God. knocked over like this before. It's so weird. It's just, it's just a new experience. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, man. By the way, a gang of kids coming over to you for literally any reason, terrifying. No, Whether it's no. for good or bad, it's just uh, youth are, I, th- I feel like we've talked about this before, a group of youth are the most terrifying thing in the world. I Has mean, anyone who is not a teenager seen a group of teenagers walking towards them and thought to themselves, oh good. <laughs> no, <laughs> never, never. I'm glad this is happening. Yeah. I mean, again, if you're eight years old, if yeah. you're 80 years old, anyone who is not a teenager yeah. is never excited to see a gang of teenagers walking towards them. Yeah. If you're not between 13 and 18, unless yeah. you know those other 13 and 18 year olds, good point. you're like, oh man, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Even Does- when you are a teenager, you don't want to see other teenagers coming no. towards you. Just ask the Jets and the Sharks. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And those are the, those in that movie... The Jets and the Sharks, those are the most 18, 15 to 18 year old <laughs> totally. kids you're ever going to see. Those are the most 18 year Just like Paul Rudd and Pagoda. Exactly. Yep. But yeah, I mean, so he should have known right off the bat that there was going to be trouble. I'm just picturing Abe Vigoda doing the dance at the gym for West Side Story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's all think about it for a second. It's real fun. Everybody take a breather. So we're assuming we're assuming that he is a much like your interaction at the um, at the store, Daniel. He is a ringing the bell, give us some change type of Santa. I think so. Yeah, he's outside now. Look, the Brits do things differently. Sure. Um, up until including calling him Father Christmas. Yes. When that's not his name, guys. It is Santa Claus. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy, but his name is Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, what are you doing? But. But calling him, yeah. So, but I guess so, right? He's standing outside a department store. That was my question, which is that what kind of high-end bougie Santa Claus is he? That he has his own reindeer. Yeah. You know, even if it's plastic, I don't. Those guys don't usually have like a setup. It's usually just them and a bell and a and a and a bucket, you know. And they just use the power of guilt to get you to put the money in. <laughs> um, but yeah, Did this that work guy's, on you today? No. Um, <laughs> or did you just push him out of the way of the door? I didn't so much. I was just like, man, you're right in front of the door. I can't, I can't get in here. Like, I just need some milk and bread, man. Just can you just like move over a little bit? Also, also, I don't. And I just need typical groceries from a TV show. (laughs) I'm gonna have carrots hanging out of the top of the bag (laughs) and one baguette. I don't know if the Brits use the word mugged differently as well, because here in America, getting mugged is not a thing you would like fondly recall <laughs> like i remember the last time i played Father christmas i got mugged um so i don't know if well, it, it means just kind of more they're just like manhandling him or if they are like you know it's like literally like stealing from him british english versus american english like the mm-hmm. way in england a lift is an elevator yeah being mugged is an elevator okay I, okay <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. sense yep they came over and elevated him yes yeah. I was. I thought maybe they gave him a mug of tea. 
Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they were like, a gang of kids came over and mugged me, and it was lovely. It just, we... I was scared at first because they were a group of youth, well, but they then group, they gave yeah. me tea. They gave but me they brought scones, so it was cool. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. It was nice. Um, no, I think, but he, but he doesn't say that he remembers it fondly because he says the last time he played Father I Christmas. That's true. <laughs> he's yeah. like, because I'm not doing it again because I yeah, got no. mugged by a group of youth. Yeah, yeah. The fond recollection that he has is from when he was a kid. And it's almost like as a kid, he loved Christmas and he's kind of paying it forward. You know, like he's he decides to to be a mall Santa Mm -hmm. to 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 bring the spirit of Christmas that he loved as a kid. To other people who will later mug him. (laughs) <laughs> but the, the lyrical structure almost mimics the the musical structure in the beginning where it's that that kind of traditional Christmas feeling. He creates this idyllic scene and then it gets into the mugging. So like where we start in the beginning with the jingle bells and the piano and then gets into like the guitars. It's that same type of feeling in the lyrics. Obviously, there's not a pleasant experience, but I think he... As well come to find, I think he has sort of a revelation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, but it's not just like a bunch of kids mugged him. Like he comes to understand why this happened and, you know, that maybe his experience growing up was different and he should have a little more empathy. That um, is true. For them. Yeah, right? that so, is true. Yeah. Again, it's not, maybe not a pleasant memory, but one he might, you know, like Cherish. an important memory, yeah. An important memory. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then he says that they said, <laughs> Father Christmas, give us some money. Don't mess around with your silly toys. We'll beat you up if you don't hand it over. We want your bread, so don't make us annoyed. And this is one of the best lines going into like the guitar solo is the, like, give all the toys to the little rich boys. This is perfect. Um... But mm-hmm. we want your bread to don't make us annoyed. Give all the toys to the little rich boys. Yeah. This part of the song is really interesting because from this point forward, everything is in flashback and everything is something that was spoken to the original narrator. So we don't hear from our narrator again. This is that all is, him you are telling abs- us. Well, he does say one thing at the end, but yes, but otherwise, and I think that one thing is kind of flashing forward to the present, maybe. As he's kind of, yeah, about this sort moment. of like a, like, it's the moral of the story, basically, that he's yeah. telling us. And we'll get to that, but I wasn't yeah, sure but- if that was him saying it or if that was him recalling that the kids who mugged him uh, said that. Yeah. Which would make them kind of like really insightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a like, gang of kids who are mugging like, him. But. Yeah, you're like lay, laying it on a little thick here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's I that's why I mean we'll get there. That's why yeah. I, I think it's him saying it. However, yeah. you make a really good point, Michael, that everything that happens with that one possible exception is all the, is all what the kid said. He just he's just relating what the kid said. We never get any insight into what the narrator is doing. During this time, how we, what he thinks of this, what he's feeling I mean, about it. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just what the kids are doing that he's and what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. too busy being kicked in the stomach by a bunch of 
like 11 year olds i can i really want it just to be like they're kind of pushing him around i don't want to imagine like a clockwork orange situation where they're like beating this man to death you know what i mean while they like sing a jaunty song like it's i really hope it's not that i think they are just like they're trying to like grab his bucket and stuff but you know what's funny i it's a bunch of Kids in bowler hats, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. One eye full of like mascara and like heavy <laughs> eye makeup. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny because the way that it's structured, again, I'm I'm one of those people who never fully listened to the lyrics. I just liked the sound of it. So I actually never heard the they said. So in my head, I'm always thinking that it's sort of the kinks who are saying father christmas give us some money don't mess around with those silly toys oh okay when you're when you listen to the lyrics and you're and you realize that it's a third party that is saying this to the like to a narrator it it does change the dynamic of the song um it's really interesting but and i think you're right that i think in some ways it makes it darker because like it's a thing that's you know, it's not just the lyrics of the song. Like it could be, it could be the kinks just being like, "Oh, it's funny, Santa, don't bring me toys, bring me money." Right. You know, like that would be like a funny thing. But the fact that it's happening makes it darker, but it also makes it more poignant. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It makes it that deeper. It's not, it's not just, that it's darker. Right. Yeah. It's not that it's. I mean, again, they're just they are just beating up. Uh, there's like <laughs> beating up Santa, but uh, but it's it is the idea that there is there's something more poignant and, and deeper at hand here. The fact that they, they don't need toys. They need money. They need the practical things. The, the toys can go to the little rich boys because they have what they need. They right. can have the superficial stuff. They can have the, the extracurricular things like toys. That's fine. We need the, the solid things that the tangible things, the everyday things. And it's, it's the, it's the practicality and also, it's that these kids are already cynical. I'm already too old for toys, even though I'm still young. I'm already too old for toys. I know, like, I need real money because I now have to, like, survive in the world, mm-hmm. like, and not be a kid, even though I, I should be a kid. Right. But. Yeah. And that line, there's also the slight lyric change that we'll get to in the following chorus. But in this first chorus, he says, don't mess around with those silly toys. Later, he says, we got no time for your silly toys. So I think, Rachel, what you were saying is they don't. Toys are useless to them. Like, they, they need something practical. Right, and I, th- I think there's... It's both the, like, we literally don't have time for toys, mm-hmm. right? And also the, like, we got to pretend to be tough. Like, outwardly, I don't play with toys... Like I'm a tough guy because they've had a rough life, right? They've mm-hmm. there's you know they have to outwardly show that they're tough because you know I I mean I don't want to get too dark, but you know maybe they got a stepdad to like smack around a little bit, so they're like I'm I don't care it doesn't doesn't hurt me I'm tough I don't I don't care about toys you know that sort of thing. So I think it's both. I think it's like they literally need like the practicality of like I need some money, but also like they're trying to grow up as fast as they can. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sure. But then he's like, I'm I'm too tough for toys. And then he turns to Santa. He's like, 
I would really love a Teddy Ruxpin. So, so if you, you could get me, yeah, I mean, they are Ruxpin, solid. That'd be super cool. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry that I punched you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I cannot. Ever since Rachel has introduced it, I cannot get the image of Malcolm McDowell like kicking <laughs> poor Santa Claus to death while he sings, not singing in the rain, but like you know, have yourself a merry little Christmas or something. It's just like. It's really an upsetting image. I'm it's not a going clockwork it's, Christmas it's, spectacular. Right. In another it's, universe. It's Stanley Kubrick did a Christmas special. <laughs> in another much more messed up universe, instead of the Star Wars Christmas special, they had the clockwork orange Christmas special. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you think God. they'd still be able to get B. Arthur and Harvey Corman? Oh, definitely. Without oh, a absolutely. doubt. Oh, 100%. Not a, not a question. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he says, don't get my brother a Steve Austin outfit. <laughs> don't get my sister a cuddly toy. We don't want no jigsaw or Monopoly money. We only want the real McCoy. Now, I do want to say for yeah. potentially some younger listeners out there, well, you might be like, wow, they won an outfit of the wrestler, the 2000s wrestler Steve Austin. No. This is not Stone guy. Sorry, Cold. Guys. We are not, not talking Stone, Stone Cold. Cold Steve Austin. Different guy. So Steve Austin is the million dollar man. Mm-hmm. Six million dollar man. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Six million dollar man. And um, good line. This does date the song <laughs> slightly. <laughs> and then there might have been maybe two or three years where this line was relevant. Um, before you, well, I, I did look America's it up. and Britain's children got tired of Steve Austin. Yes, the six million dollar man ran for five seasons. So okay, between nineteen seventy four and nineteen seventy eight, it was a big deal. And apparently, every kid in the U.S. and the U.K. was running around dressed up like Lee Majors, as they should be. So yeah. he, so the the outfit was <laughs> a Lee Majors outfit that the kid would wear, not a doll. Of Steve, because they had six million dollar man action figures, so it wasn't like an outfit for the six million dollar man action figure. It was literally like a large lapeled leisure suit <laughs> for a small child. Is what I we're mean, thinking. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. To be clear, I definitely thought that he said not. Uh, not a Steve Austin outfit. I thought he said a Steve Allen outfit. So I just assumed like that a tie, big glasses and like a Jane Meadows costume for his sister. I don't know. Wow. What every kid wants under the tree this year. Rachel, I cannot, I cannot answer you because what's under the tree. Is it bigger than a bread box? (laughs) (laughs) As you can imagine, when I Google Steve Austin outfit, I get a bunch of t-shirts with skulls on them. And then let's say <laughs> yep. Austin 316. So I cannot. Yep. Yeah. I cannot tell you what nope. a Steve Austin outfit would look like. Let me see the kinks. I mean, I get it probably was a thing. Right? He, wore like, he wore like a, like a, like a onesie, right? Didn't he wear like a Yeah, it was like a jumpsuit with like stripes and stuff. And he would go. Yeah, they must have, I don't know. They must have sold it. But anyway, um, so yeah, so he's talking about, so don't get my brother Steve Austin outfit. Don't get my sister a cuddly toy. 
I've never really thought about this before. Don't we don't want no jigsaw? They must be in a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Right. It must be because if that, that it's not a jigsaw is practical. A what jigsaw would say, be awesome. It would be great. Yeah. I, I'm, what I was going to say Start was, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who wouldn't mind a jigsaw for Christmas. This guy right here. I would love <laughs> it. Man. A j- I love to, you know, my wife bring me out. It's like one of those car commercials, except instead of a car, it's a jigsaw <laughs> that has a big red ribbon on it. And I start crying. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, think it's a j- I think it's a jigsaw puzzle, I'd assume. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine, I would but I mean, like, how intimidating would this little gang of kids be if they're walking around with jigsaws <laughs> i don't want to mess with them or dressed up as so jigsaw like, if they were just asking for like very specific woodworking tools it yeah. would also be disconcerting yes or maybe that is a practical gift they want to start a carpentry business i mean or they it's possible they walk away they're like we don't want a jigsaw or monopoly money and they walk away they go you know what Maybe we did want a jigsaw. Maybe we did. Man, because we could have used our hand. Oh, my God. Somebody get, pick pick Santa up. <laughs> our apologies. We do want a jigsaw. We do want a jigsaw. Is he even listening? Oh, forget about him. He's dead. <laughs> also, I think that reindeer is dead, too. Oh, no, it just can't get up. It's, it's just flapping around. Oh, he flew away. I oh, guess I do sit down, lay down to <laughs> I sleep. Guess. I guess. I guess. Um... I also stepped on Rachel's joke about um, the Jigsaw Killer from the Saw movies, so I apologize. <laughs> That's fine. It was not great. That was, no, it was good. It was good. I just stepped on it. Can you just buy the Monopoly money? I like, feel can you like, give someone the gift of Monopoly money? I feel but like you I do have to feel get the like, whole game. So I feel like the 70s, first of all, was the time of like fake things that they wouldn't sell anymore, like realistic fake money or candy cigarettes or realistic fake guns. So I think I think they just mean like fake money, but they mm-hmm. call it monopoly money. But I don't think they mean like it's the expansion pack. Literally get yeah, I don't know if they're <laughs> literally gonna get monopoly money. I just think they mean like fake money. So I would like to tell you a very quick story um, that is a slight tangent. This reminds me not of a, not on this show. You better not do it on speaking, this show. Speaking of Christmas. For more than one Christmas in a row, my parents got my brother and I games, but they didn't get us games. They got us expansion packs to games (laughs) we did not own. So, So all we received were like cards to games that we may or may not be able to actually play without the game board. It was great. So that's what it were reminded they, me of. Were they under the impression that they these were games to play or they were like <laughs> you got to go out and buy the game yourself? Unclear. Speaking of this obviously being the 1970s, mm-hmm. the sort of casual fun relationship with guns, um, th- that does not exist anymore. Like, because I, he doesn't. Well, not in the, not, yeah. Well, not over there. Was, well, not over there, definitely. But what I was going to say was, is that, because he doesn't say to, 
not to get too dark, but to shoot all the kids on the street. He says to scare the kids on the street. Right. You know what I mean? So I think even even in like their tough guy minds, there's still just like, well, we wouldn't actually fire the gun. We just right. want to wave it around. Right. And like freak the other kids out. Um, so that's all. I just like I mean this that just feels like such a line out of time. Yeah. So let's go back to the first part. So give my daddy a job because he needs one. He's got lots of mouths to feed. So this, so these kids aren't just a bunch of like hooligans, hooligans, right? I mean, they could be, but there's a reason why they are this way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think also like, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to say like seventies Britain, probably like not a prosperous time, you know, probably a lot of, a lot of people on the dole as they say. So I think that's another thing that's sort of putting this in a place in time. Well, I also kind of picture them as Victorian street urchins, but right. But you think of everybody as Victorian street urchins around Christmas, Michael. Yeah. Isn't that just what Christmas is is to you? I mean, because it's also like they're, they're kind of robbing him for a good reason. Like they'd probably also steal a loaf of bread. (laughs) Unfortunately, Inspector Javert is witnessing this entire thing and (laughs) he is not going to let it go. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But this is, I mean, obviously, all of this goes back to that f- the very beginning of the song where he's talking about he's hanging his stockings, he has his presents, he's living the good life. So he was one of those rich kids who got the presents, had yeah. the toy, had the silly toys. And then you get down to it where now he he gets to be Father Christmas in front of the department store and to be like, oh, isn't this the best thing ever? Where it's just everybody lived the life that I lived, right? Like everybody gets all the presents and has all the silly toys and stuff. And then he realizes, no, it's not, no, that's not the way it goes. These kids don't have anything. And all they want is their dad to have a job. There's a slight variation of what we were saying before, like a third option, which I only now think about, which is that they're like, well, we don't want the toys, right? Because they've never gotten any toys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they don't have that experience. So they think it's dumb. Right. You know, because he got his, he opened his stockings and he was glad. But these kids never, have never had that experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they, so they don't, they think the whole thing's stupid because they've never experienced it. Or, or it could be, again, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's been so long since I've taken history. I don't know mm-hmm. 70s England. Sure. So I don't know how long they've been in this sort of depressive, you know, this depression era. So is it that this is a new thing where, you know, they've gotten to this point of desperation where their father needs a job, that it's it's reached this tipping point of maybe they did used to have this type of stuff because they're saying like my my brother doesn't need a Steve Austin outfit. My, right. my sister doesn't need a dolly. Maybe they used to have those things. We don't need those things now. Here's what we need now. A jigsaw, right. a machine <laughs> gun, and my dad needs a job. Right. I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, I, well, first of all, whether or not they, they have like a depression in England, like there's always poor people. Sure. Uh, so I don't know, like, but, uh, but I, but this is but a comment on does. society is what I'm saying. No, you know? I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. That it's like the, 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 the British society is failing these kids, essentially. Right. Um, because, you know, I mean, I the kids seem to like the dad. 
uh, right. at the very least. You know, they're just like, he needs a job and he's got lots of mouths to feed. Um, and then it's okay. But then because they're kids then it switches because they're like, he needs a job. He wants to feed. But also if you have a machine gun, I'll take it because that would be awesome yeah. because I am like a little Stano's kid. Yeah. Um, so it's like a perfect, it's a great contrast between those two things. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, you know. You know what would solve both of those things? What? The jigsaw. Mm. The jigsaw could also scare everybody on the street. Yeah. And your yeah. dad could be a carpenter. See? There you go. Win-win. Oh my gosh. Bro, <laughs> jigsaws really solve all of life's problems. <laughs> man, oh man. I mean, do you think our narrator's just like completely oblivious and he just turns to these kids? He's like, Are you sure you don't want the toys? Toys are the best. <laughs> And then I think this next line, so then I think this is our narrator. So I think he's now come back to the present and it's Christmas time. Maybe it's, it's Christmas Eve and he's looking out the window and he says something that I, I mean, to get serious for a second, I think this is a very important thing for all of us to remember. He says, have yourself a very, have yourself a merry, merry Christmas. Have yourself a good time. But remember the kids who got nothing while you're drinking down your wine. It's good, man. It's a good. It's line. good. It's good. It's the moral of our story. That is it's the rough. moral of our story. And it's, yeah, I mean, it is, it's really good. And the fact that it's not like, that you still have the chorus go a couple of times over. And um, and the fact that the song is so, goes so sort of hard and sort of is so catchy yeah. and has such a good like moral to it is just amazing. Like, well, it's, and I think, I'm sorry to interrupt, no. but I, wh- one thing I like is that the music stops for a second during yeah. this part. Just because they want to be like, don't miss this part. Yeah. Don't let it get swallowed up in like the loud guitars and the drums and everything. Like, so the music is quiet at this part and it's really mostly just the vocal here. Because again, I think they're like, we don't want you to, we don't want you to miss the moral of the story. This is the point. Yeah. Yeah. I think the repetition of the chorus after this is important because this is like you were saying, the one part where we come back to the na- the original narrator mm-hmm. and then we go back to the chorus, which is him remembering what these kids said to him. Mm-hmm. And I think, and then it has that, that twinkly sound, whatever you want to call that from the beginning, where again, it's mostly the vocal of them saying, Father Christmas, give us some money, which in my mind is almost him like, now we're in the present and you almost hear the like echoey version of him remembering it yeah yeah right now it's far away well it's almost like a it's almost like it's a a combination of his like uh of his understanding of what christmas was 
in his childhood and what Christmas was for these children in their childhood. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's the realization that both of those things are true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the echoing of the chorus is him remembering that and how he got to that kind of realization Mm -hmm. of remember the kids who got nothing while you're drinking down your wine. Yeah. There's also like a interesting recurring like father imagery throughout Mm -hmm. this. Mm. I'm not sure exactly what it means, but besides no, you're Father right. he, Christmas. He mentions his dad, mm-hmm. Father Christmas, and then they mention their dad. Yeah. yeah. A lot of daddy issues in this song. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a good point, Michael. What's up with I that, Kinks? What's going on? I mean, I don't, I don't think you want to start unraveling with the Kinks. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, they got, that's a valid point. They got, yeah, they got a lot going on. Yep. We'll get to it someday. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, get father, there. so then we say, Father Christmas, give us some money. We got no time for your silly toys. Father Christmas, please hand it over. They say, they just say please that last time. So it almost is like, oh man, it's so sad because they're so tough, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's almost that crack of like, but please hand it over. Like, please, we're like, please, we really need it. Can you please hand it over? <laughs> That's like really sad. Yeah, there's, there's a It's like really great. But it's like really great and subtle. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll beat you up so don't make us annoyed. Father Christmas, give us some money. Don't mess around with your silly toys. We'll beat you up if you don't hand it over. We want your bread so don't make us annoyed. Give all the toys to the little rich boys. And that's it. Really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. Uh, any other last thoughts on this? Merry it's Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about Expanded Universe. What do we got? Expanded Universe. We finally figured out what happened when the boys got back in town. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going all Santa. the way back. There you go. Yeah, and I think if you re-listen to that episode, we established somehow or another that that was, in fact, a Christmas song. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I okay. I don't remember that, but I I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I think the uh the ringleader of this little gang of uh kids who mug Santa is clearly mm-hmm. Frosty. <laughs> you know, he thinks Frosty? Well, he said, well, "Let's he... run and we'll have some fun now before I melt away." <laughs> Down to and the I... village with a broomstick in his hand. Yeah, I mean, oh, so running here was... and there. All around the square saying, catch me if you can. Yeah. And he led them down the streets of town. Mm-hmm. Right you, to the mall. Just gonna... <laughs> they're like, Where he beat up um, Santa. Yeah. Hey, Frosty, why are you sharpening the end of that broomstick? <laughs> With a jigsaw? Are you, are you turning it into a shiv? What? 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 Yeah. There's a <laughs> Father Christmas downtown I want to go talk to. <laughs> Get some stuff out of him. Maybe this is Rudolph's origin story because maybe they beat Rudolph up so much that that's how his <laughs> nose became red. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you have a very shiny nose. You don't want to hear the story. <laughs> Listen, your nose would be red too. Okay? Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Don't make him tell the story. He always tells the story. He loves telling the story. <laughs> Rudolph had a shiny nose. He had cauliflower ears. You know. 
They don't mention that part. But yeah, he's a little he was a little punch drunk, unfortunately. Are these teenage dirtbags? They gotta be, yeah. But I think one of those teenage dirtbags uh-huh. is uh a kid named Jackie Paper. Because painted wings and giant's rings make way for other toys. It's like true. jigsaws. Like jigsaws. <laughs> and Steve Austin outfits. <laughs> and Monopoly money. Do you want the game? Just the money. Just, just the just money. Just the yeah. money, thank you. And next Christmas, could you get me just like the chance cards? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just give me like, th- how about this year if you just give me like the thimble? Would that be- <laughs> That's all I want. Just the thimble. Mm. Like a thimble? a thimble? Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> no. Just the thimble. You know what I'm talking about. Um, considering she's grown up with these kids, do you think the the sister who's not getting a cuddly toy, you think she's gonna grow up to be a punk rock girl? Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? You know what you know what did happen to that reindeer? That reindeer got so jaded that he flew all the way to New York, I mean, to America, uh-huh. he got so angry that he went by a house and he ran right over someone's grandmother. <laughs> Didn't care. Did not care. You know what? That grandmother was probably just going to push me over. She was going to push me I'm over. Say that. I had to get her before she got yeah, me. Yeah, it was me or her. It was me or her. I know I how these. Care. I know how people are now. This, this is this reindeer's villain origin story. I think after they beat up Santa, uh, I mean, I guess it would be Frosty since we established he's the ringleader. He drops his broomstick, turns to Santa, and says, "If you ever come back to Hackensack, <laughs> I'll be here for you." Sure, Hackensack, England. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Old Hackensack. Yeah. <laughs> Ye old Hackensack. <laughs> Ye old Hackensack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, when he was thinking about being a kid, was he just like, mm, those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm so nostalgic. You know what I got to do? I got to break into the old apartment. Uh, <laughs> see, see why, why did you take down the Christmas tree? Why did you remove the socket? <laughs> <laughs> I only came here to talk. Uh, all right. Anything else? Mm-mm. Going once, going twice. All right. Let's put it in the books. Uh, I take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the history of this song with Story Behind the Story. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Okay, we're back. It's time for story behind the story. How did this story come to be? Michael? Yes. Please tell us how the story of Father Christmas mm-hmm. happened. So I assume we're going to start in the medieval times. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, please tell us how the song Father Christmas came to be. So the kinks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the most influential bands in music history. Never heard of them. <laughs> We just talked about them in the last set, but you're not completely checked out. I'm also, it's only now at this moment occurs to me that like some huge Kinks fan likes our show and is listening to it right now. It's like, this is the song you, this is the first Kinks song <laughs> of all the Kinks songs in the world. This is the one you picked to do first. Okay. Uh, right. Fine. So, you know, it's the Christmas thing. It's the yeah. part of the show. But. Yeah. So hugely influential band. Mm-hmm. They worked in a variety of genres. They have a very long history. So this will be a very brief overview. Sure. Yes. So for that Kinks fan who is upset that this is our first Kinks song, maybe listen to this on two times speed. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, for that Kinks fan, though, he already knows all that. Yeah. He's like, I got this. Yeah. It would just be, I also love how we're just assuming it's a man, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> he or she uh, is like, I already know this stuff. So, but maybe they don't know the story of Father Christmas. That's true. So. So we go back to medieval times. Um, yep. mm-hmm. There was a, a cobbler by the... No. <laughs> What's interesting to me about the kinks is... And tell me what your experience is like, you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I knew the kinks. I knew the name, the kinks. I mm-hmm. knew all of like their major hits. But in my mind, I don't think I fully wrapped my head around the fact that one band sang them all. I think, yes. Yeah. I can see that. But I kind of knew that each of those hits was by the Kinks. So I don't know if like subconsciously I thought there were like six bands called the Kinks. Right, right. (laughs) It's like, it can't be. This can't all be the same band. Impossible. Definitely a bit of musical chameleons. Right. right? I don't, there's definitely eras, but there's not really like a definitive Kinks sound. No. Right. Which actually might even hurt them a little bit in sort of the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things because you don't just hear the song go immediately be like oh this is the kinks i know for sure right um just by the way it sounds like they they were so such a wide breath that there are songs that i always knew you know i knew were the kinks but i didn't have like a solid idea of like what a quote-unquote kink song was mm-hmm. and i still don't i mean i'll only say my thing with the kinks is that i knew all the hits obviously and then i'm a little ashamed to say that the movie rushmore has a bunch of kink songs in it, and I got the soundtrack, and they were like kink songs I didn't know, and I was like, wait a minute, the songs I don't know are also good? Oh, <laughs> now I gotta go deep. So I went deep, and you know, obviously everything they did was great, but I, I would be lying if I said I was in it from the start. It wasn't until that movie came out and I learned about the other songs that I got really into them. And I'm gonna say this controversial statement, eh, they're good. Pretty good. <laughs> good band. Good band. Not good. bad, I'll not bad. That. Great, and... We talked a lot about band names recently. <laughs> Some that I didn't think were good. 
Others I thought was good. This is a great, what a mm-hmm. simple, perfect, it's a perfect name. Perfect. Yeah. And what's interesting about their name is whatever genre and whatever era you're looking at, like from that early 60s pop rock sound mm-hmm. to like the 70s to like new wave to like a punk sound, the Kinks works for every one of those sounds. Yeah. Absolutely. Completely works. Yeah, in every era it works. Yeah. It works in the 60s. It, like you said, it, it makes sense next to like, you like know. Like this sounds like a punk band. Oh, no, it right. actually sounds like it could be like a British invasion band. It could be yeah. a new wave right. band. Yeah, it fits right alongside like AHA yeah. and, and also <laughs> like right alongside like The Who or whatever. Like it makes perfect sense. And it was smart on their part that in the early 60s when they were thinking of the name, they were like, well, will this work when New Wave is a thing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. If I would believe that anyone could see 20 years <laughs> into the future, Ray Davies is a guy yeah, I'd believe. That's true. That's actually yeah. very true. So then there'll be New Wave and then there'll be <laughs> post-punk. And trust me, this is going to work throughout. Yeah. Right. And then after the economic crash of 2008, America will want a simpler time. And it's like... Right, it's 1962. How do you know all this? Just a guess. Yeah. So, the Kinks were originally called the Ravens. Hmm. They were formed by brothers Ray and Dave Davies in North London. Peter Quaife was added as their bass player. In 1964, their self-produced demo got them a recording contract with Pi Records. Shortly before signing with Pi Records, their drummer... Mickey Willett, left the group, and Mick Avery was added to their lineup as the drummer, and the band's name was changed to The Kinks. Mm. Well, sure, you can't have a Ravens without a Mickey. Once you hit a Mick, (laughs) then you gotta have The Kinks. Yeah. Ravens is with a Mickey. Doesn't make any sense with a Mick. Totally. No. An article by American songwriter quotes music journalist and Kinks biographer John Savage as saying that the band needed a, quote, gimmick, some edge to get them attention. He later said, here it was, kinkiness, something newsy, naughty, but just on the borderline of acceptability. I mean, it also totally makes sense because kink has other meanings than just kinky. You know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. but the kind of meaning they were thinking. So they could totally play dumb and be like, no, we just spent like a kink and a hose. What are you talking about? There's yeah. nothing, nothing weird here. That's it. Sir. So yeah, very smart. Yeah. Kinky boots. <laughs> yep. Sure. In 1962, they were like, there's going to be a musical. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> It's going to exactly. put Billy Porter on the map. <laughs> Cindy Lauper will write the score. <laughs> right. She will be famous 20 years from now. It all makes sense. Don't <laughs> worry about f- it. Figure it out. Yeah, it's going to be great. She was just born today. <laughs> and I, Ray Davies, know that in 20 years, she will be famous. She's going to be in wrestling. By the way, wrestling is going to be, be a big thing in the 80s. Just trust me. Mm-hmm. That's all that makes sense. Anyway, so then she's going to do a song for the Goonies. Am I going too fast for you guys? <laughs> You need a pen and paper? You write this down? What are the Goonies? Yeah. <laughs> They're good enough. <laughs> so whose idea the name was is unclear, but it seems to have been one of their managers. So in 1964, the Kinks released two non-album singles, which did not chart at the time. Mm. Their third single in the UK, which was the first single from their first album, was a little song called You Really Got Me. <laughs> You really got me going. You got me so I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Written by Ray Davies, it was released in August of 1964 in the UK, where it went to number one. A month later, their US label, Reprise Records, 
which is the label founded in 1960 by Frank Sinatra, released it as their second single in the U.S. where it went to number seven. So they had two singles that didn't chart, and then their third single goes to number one. Yeah. That's insane. But I mean, hard to argue. I mean, you really got me. It's like, it's a perfect song. Yeah. And it is timeless. Like, Mm. you could see how it was from that British Invasion era, but it also sounds very modern no matter what era you're in. God, that's so true. Yeah, it fits perfectly in the era. Yeah. Right? But also, you could put it on today, and kids would love it. Like, it's not Fairy Cross the Mersey or whatever. No offense to those guys. (laughs) But it's like, that song fits in the era, but then it it, it gets stuck there. Of all the songs. That's perfect. (laughs) You hit the perfect one for comparison. But, like, but you really got me. Like, it works in any era, basically. Like, people liked it in the 80s and 90s. And today, I sound like a radio station. But, um, (laughs) so it wasn't ahead of its time. Because it fit perfectly in its era, and it went to number one. But it also can escape its era and yeah. continue on, which is amazing. I think it's such an influential song mm-hmm. that it sounds like it's contemporary no matter when you're listening to it. Right. I mean, it sounds like a punk song, and it's yeah. like mm-hmm. 12, 13 years before punk is even a thought in anyone's mind. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's great. So about the influence of the song, according to the band's official website, You Really Got Me has been cited as an influence on garage rock, punk, heavy metal, and by contemporaries, The Who. The song also went to number four in Canada, number eight in Australia, and number two in New Zealand. The follow-up single, Totally Forgotten, mm-hmm. was not a hit. Just mm-hmm. kidding. The follow-up single, also written by Ray Davies, was All Day and All of the Night. <laughs> Which went to number two in the UK, number seven in the US, 12 in Canada, 14 in Australia, and five in New Zealand. And that song is awesome. Yeah, what a one-two punch. I mean, just pure propulsion. Like yeah. the, the song starts and then it's like, you're like going downhill on a bicycle that's out of control, but in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, it's just incredible. It's just, yeah. There's not a, not a wasted note, not a wasted moment in either of the songs. The Kinks experience continued commercial success over the next few years with singles including Tired of Waiting for You, Set Me Free, Sunny Afternoon, and Waterloo Sunset. Mm. Waterloo Sunset's an amazing song. Yeah. And it's also kind of interesting. Their chart success was not necessarily equal in the Mm -hmm. US and the UK. There are a handful of like global hits. I mean, Waterloo Sunset feels British, right? In a way that You Really Got Me doesn't, right? You Really Got Me feels like it come from anywhere. Um, yeah yeah so i mean that might be part of the reason why i don't know if they were trying to askew their britishness uh with something like (laughs) you really got me or if it just worked out that way but if you if i somehow like forgot everything i ever knew and you played me you really got me and you were like where are these guys from i'd probably be like detroit you know what (laughs) i mean like they don't even sound like anything like that but yeah but like what are the sunset i mean great song but you know, you can feel the Britishness. You say the, the title Waterloo yeah. Sunset and you're like, oh thing. my God, I just heard it in British, in, you know, in a British accent. Exactly. Between 1968 and 1969, they saw reduced commercial success, but continued artistic and critical success with the release of two concept albums. The Kinks are the Village Green Preservation Society and Arthur, open parentheses, or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire, close parentheses which showcased an increased maturity in Davies' songwriting. Yeah. The band's official website describes his late 60s songwriting as, quote, 
sometimes comical, sometimes cynical, always clever and melodic. It says, quote, as Ray's songwriting developed, he emerged as a witty, compassionate social commentator, chronicling the absurdities and aspirations of English life. I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, the cleverness mm-hmm. is, is a huge part of this. And that is such a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Because the thin line between clever and stupid yeah. is so <laughs> it's so close, and things that are clever in 1964 will become stupid later. That never happened. I mean, maybe there's a couple examples, but for the most part, that never happened to any of his songs. And we were praising the lyrics in this song for being so clever, yeah. and for having double meanings. Yeah. And this is not a knock on this song, but you know, this is a minor effort, you know, compared to most of the other songs where the lyrics are incredible. Yeah. Um, and like I said, and, and a lot of the lines have like double meanings and, you know, you really have to think about them, not just if you're lunatics like us to, to be able to write an amazing song like you really got me and then also be like, oh, by the way, I do good lyrics, too. What I'm trying to say is, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you be that talented? Um, I mean, the other thing, I just want for the audience at home. Uh, as Michael reads these credits, I may get quieter because when you read the two albums, I didn't. The only thing I had to say was like, no, it's good. Yeah, it's also good. I feel like <laughs> right. that album. So really not a lot of commentary beyond that that I can say. So, But I think their description of his songwriting starting in the late 60s as sometimes comical, sometimes cynical, always clever and melodic, that is such a perfect description mm-hmm. yeah. of this song that came out yeah. years later. I mean, it's God, cynical, so, it's funny. Yeah, but it's cynical, but it ends in not a cynical right. place, right. right? Because cynicism is a dead end. It doesn't lead anywhere. So to start out in what sounds like a very cynical song and then end up in such a genuine place is incredible. Yeah. And what they said later was the aspirations of English life. So there's an aspirational element to it as well. Oh, God. Did we even talk about that? That must be a part that we don't even, that doesn't even register to us, right? It must be the British class system must also be all mixed up in that in a way that we probably didn't really even think about. What, in the in the lyrics? Yeah. I mean, I think we spoke about it. I mean, okay. the yeah. haves and have nots. I guess that's true. I'm just saying the British class system is so weird. It's I, very I guess weird. in some ways we're weirder though because we also have a class system, but we just pretend that we don't. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> at true. least in Britain they like drew the lines. They were like, "This is it. <laughs> this is you guys stay on your own side over here." Yeah. Whereas America, we're like anyone could be a millionaire, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we pretend we don't, but <laughs> they at least have like upstairs, downstairs. That's what I'm saying. We like joke about it. We're like, "Yeah, wrong side of the tracks," but it's like, "Oh no, 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 that is really an issue." <laughs> yeah, no, actually, really, really, we should talk about that more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not on this podcast we just do yuck yucks mm-hmm. okay no no actually no. um maybe guys, I, somebody go over to pod save america i was gonna say this would be weird but i invited my friends from chapo uh, trap house onto the show we're gonna do a quick two hours on socialism so you guys are just we'll take a quick break we'll be right back we'll Let's get back see. to the kinks don't worry uh, yep yep I, I i gotta hop over to the daily i'll be right back <laughs> <laughs> The listening audience might not know this, but every podcast is recorded in one giant room and you just go yeah. from table to table. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's that stuff you should know? Yeah. No, I'll be back. <laughs> By the way, um, this is a little known fact, but every podcaster, we know who really did it in serial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. In 1969, after the release of the Village Green Preservation Society album, bassist Pete Quaif left the band. Mm -hmm. In 1970, they were back at the top of the charts with the release of their concept album. Oh, that's, that's the other thing. In this era, 
they were doing a lot of concept albums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, Dan, what you were saying about the danger of being a clever lyricist, one of the dangers is that doesn't necessarily align with pop music success. Right. right. You know, like he's writing concept albums. and Yeah, that, that doesn't really lend itself to singles. Yeah. Very often. I also wonder, I mean, this is pure speculation, but I wonder if this is the kind of thing where like, if your first real single is You Really Got Me, you must a little bit feel like, well, I, what else? I'm at the top. I'm already at the top of the mountain. You know what I mean? Like, basically being like, I could write a number one hit single falling out of bed. <laughs> like, I want to I want to challenge myself. I want to, you know, I want to write a whole concept album. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if that's part of it, too, where it's like he almost got bored with being like, sure, I could write, you know, a worldwide number one hit. But what I want to do something that's really, you know, take some effort. He didn't challenge himself by writing a concept album. He challenged himself by writing like 50 concept albums. (laughs) Right. So one of those concept albums happened in 1970, and that concept album put them back at the top of the charts with the release of Lola vs. Power Man and the Money Go Round Part 1. Yes. Interestingly, there was no Part 2. Oh. But the album included two international hit singles, Ape Man and Mm -hmm. Lola. Yes. Hello. I met her in a club down in Lord Soho Where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola C-O-L-A Cola She walked up to me and she That is a great album. And the concept totally works. Like one song flows into the other. There's a great song on there called Top of the Pops, which when I was young, a young man did not know what that meant. I later found out that <laughs> it's a British thing. But anyway, um, it's all great. That album is about like being like a rock star, right? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to listen to it again. I haven't listened to the whole, it all the way through in a long time. But I mean, it's, it's about the phoniness of the entertainment industry, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Because cause that's how money go around is. You, you can probably guess what it's about. <laughs> but um, and again, the song Top of the Pops is great, but it's, you know, about. I guess in some ways I was actually what I was talking about, the sort of like fool's errand of trying to chase the top of the charts and commercial mm-hmm. success and yeah. stuff instead of like actually like trying to do something artistically worthwhile. So, but thankfully for Ray Davies, he could do both because he was that good. <laughs> so Lola was mm-hmm. a top 10 single around the world. And yet I've mm-hmm. never heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Know nothing about you it. check it out. It's, it's pretty good. Okay. I mean, it's not very melodic. Mm. Like, you will not have it stuck in your head for (laughs) days at a time. Yeah. But pretty good. Pretty good songwriting. So, speeding through the 1970s, they released several more albums, including four concept albums. They increased their following in the U.S., being able to tour there for the first time since the mid-60s. The reason was that there was a dispute with the American Federation of Musicians during their 1965 tour, which wasn't resolved until 1969, so they were banned from performing in the U.S. during that time. Drama! But it seems like they toured pretty extensively in America starting in the 70s. Mm -hmm. So... Interestingly, their albums continued to chart in the US and Australia during the 70s, but not in the UK. Mm. Their singles were still doing okay in the UK, but not their albums. In 1977, they began recording for Arista Records. Their first record on that label was Sleepwalker, 
After several concept albums, this was their first straightforward rock album. Hmm. Okay. This album started what's considered the band's arena rock phase. So we've gone from like British Invasion to late 60s, early 70s sound to concept albums and now into arena rock. Although the Sleepwalker album was more of a commercial album compared to their previous concept albums, listening to it, a lot of the songs on it still had like a very big kind of sound, Uh like strings and chorus and great songs, but it didn't feel like just a straightforward rock album, but but I think Mm -hmm. it was much more so than a full concept album. Right. The album went to number 21 in the US with the Sleepwalker single being their first to chart in eight years. It went to 48 in the US. In July 1977, they began recording their 1978 album, Misfits. During those sessions, they recorded a song called Father Christmas. Hey, that's this song. (laughs) (laughs) It was released as a single on November 25th, 1977. It did not chart Mm. anywhere. Okay, that's okay. Was it like a charity single or they just did it for the heck of it? I think it was just a single. Just a a regular old single. It didn't Mm. chart anywhere. Wow. Well, it's, hmm. you know, know. it's it's not. I don't really have an answer for it. Well, the Sleepwalker single was their first charting single in eight years. Right. Since Lola in the US. So they weren't having a lot of chart success. And as Christmas songs go, this is a little bit darker. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I think there's a variety. And it's also a little bit more of like a hard rock sound. Yeah. People didn't know where to place it. Yeah. Especially around Christmas of 77. Yeah. And I mean, this is all speculation, but like that seems to be, to me, to be the reasons. Like where where would this fit in in like right. a Christmas radio playlist? Right. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Here's the problem with that, though. Go ahead. I just looked up Here It Is, Merry Christmas by Slade. She came out in 73. That hit number one on the UK singles chart. So now I don't have an answer for why this song didn't chart. (laughs) Answer me, 1977. That feels like a very similar song, and it's four years earlier. So I don't know. Well. I don't know. Hmm. I wonder if this one took a while to catch on. I wonder if maybe just for some reason people just missed it the first time around. I don't know. I don't have an answer. You guys are looking at me like I have an answer. I don't. You guys, (laughs) I don't have an answer. Because you look like you have an answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us. Tell us. The other thing is that the song was a non-album single, so it was right. it wasn't associated with like a larger promotion, and it was right. released a month before Christmas. So that could be it. Like if they had a full Christmas album, they would be promoting that sure for two months before, you know? Right. So I don't know. There's there's millions of reasons, and like we've said, like the charts mean everything. The charts mean nothing. Like it. Yeah. It's it's just an interesting snapshot of that moment in time. Yeah. So although it was not associated with any album, a remastered CD reissue of the band's 1978 album Misfits included Father Christmas as a bonus track. The cover of the single featured comic book style panels depicting images and lyrics from the song. It was not modeled after this, but it very much reminded me of the album cover of (laughs) Run, Joey, Run. (laughs) Mm. I wish it was modeled after Run, Joey, Run. I wish in like a memoir somewhere, somebody's yeah, like fully modeled a- on Run, Joey, Run. <laughs> Came across a factoid or Ray Davis is like, so I had the single for Run, Joey, Run. And I just loved it. I just loved the cover. I loved, I loved everything about it. It's my favorite song. 
(laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was a fun little story song expanded universe, but in the wrong segment of the show. (laughs) A music video was produced for the song. It featured the band in Santa suits performing the song in a recording studio that was decorated for Christmas. Hmm. You guys, there was fake snow everywhere. Perfect. It was too much. I was like, those those are expensive instruments. Can't CGI that snow? And the answer is no, there was none. Yeah. And unlike the serious tone of the song, the video has a more playful feel. So it's a fun video. Yeah. And performing the song live, Ray Davies would often wear a Santa suit on stage. American songwriter describes the song as an, quote, antidote to most Christmas songs, saying, quote, the treacly sentiments common to most December perennials are doused by a cold dose of reality, courtesy of Kink's frontman, Ray Davies. Yeah, take that, Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have to say about that, Jingle Bell Rock? Yeah. (laughs) Your treacly nostalgia is not wanted here. (laughs) White Christmas, get out of here. Get out of here. How dare you be uh, treacly nostalgic in, uh, let me just check my notes real Christmas time, <laughs> you jerk. Get out of here with your uh, yuletide caroling. Yeah. This is a very serious and sober and reality-filled time of the year. No treacly here. <laughs> Take those lights down. An article by Far Out quotes Dave Davies as saying, quote, I love the humor of it and the aggression and the bitterness. He continued, Father Christmas is very special to me because it was an opportunity to put interesting guitar parts in there. Guitar riffs, I think, sound great. True. Further proof of the Kinks' influence, Father Christmas has been covered by countless bands, including Bad Religion, Bowling for Soup, Cheap Trick, Letters to Cleo, Lit, OK Go, Save Ferris, Smash Mouth, Warrant, and in what I think was a one-time live performance, Green Day. Oh, okay. Smash Mouth, you say? <laughs> All right. Singer-songwriter Matt Nathanson covered the song on his 2020 album, Farewell December. He released a video for the song that was a tribute to The Sidewalk Project, a nonprofit group that, quote, supports and empowers the unhoused communities in Los Angeles, Orange County, San Diego, Las Vegas, and Phoenix through art, music, and direct work on the street. That's cool. Yeah. So kind of the point of the song. Yeah, it fits. <laughs> Which is it pretty fits. neat. Mm-hmm. The Kinks continued to have hits into the early 80s, most notably their 1983 album State of Confusion, which went to number 12 in the U.S., and included their 1982 single, Come Dancing. How is this the same band? (laughs) (laughs) It's unbelievable! They put a parking lot on a piece of land Where the supermarket used to stand Before that they put up a bowling alley Right? It's such a, a good song. It boggles the Man. mind, though. Yeah. God, I can't. I boggles mean, the I mind. Mean, people dunk on that song. I, I love that song. It's so such much. a good song. But it it's is. so good. How is this the same? How, how is it the same band that does all these songs? Yeah, I don't know. You know, that's another one, too, that's kind of cynical and then ends really nicely. Come dancing. Yeah. That's all. (laughs) I mean, he's just good at that. Yeah. Yeah. He wraps it up. The Come Dancing single went to number 10 in the UK, number 6 in the US, and number 6 in Canada. Nice. In 1990, the Kinks were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Mm-hmm. In 1996, the band went on hiatus but continued to work on solo projects. After working with another band, original member Pete Quaife left the music business in the early 70s when he moved to Denmark. In the early 80s, he moved to Belleville, Ontario, where he worked as a graphic artist and political cartoonist. He moved back to Denmark in the early 2000s and sadly passed away in 2010. Mm. Hmm. A few days following his passing, Ray Davies dedicated his performance at the Glastonbury Festival to his former bandmate. Very nice. sweet. In 2023, the band celebrated its 60th anniversary with the release of The Journey Part 1 in March and The Journey Part 2 in November. Each album is a two-disc set, and the tracks are organized by themes such as songs about becoming a man, the search for adventure, and finding an identity and a girl. And the world around the journeyman starts to crumble as his life is turned upside down. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well done. Ray Davies loves a theme. Love it. He loves a good concept. The man loves a concept. (laughs) Has there ever been a man who more loves a concept (laughs) than Ray Davies? It's it's not like I've seen like greatest hits albums organized by like here are the dance songs these are the ballads sure. this is full paragraphs That's describing right. like the following eight <laughs> tracks it's amazing the best part is he could say something like the world around the journeyman starts to crumble as his life is turned upside down and he's like oh yeah I got like fifteen of those yeah. you want, how many you want I had to really pare it down <laughs> which disc do you want the journeyman songs on because <laughs> and is this is this where his world is turned upside down. Or is this where he searches for adventure? Mm -hmm. A lot of journeyman songs. Unfortunately, Father Christmas is not on either of these albums. According to Rolling Stone, Ray Davies said in a statement, ask yourself the question, is this journey necessary? Yes. Dave Davies added, I'm delighted with what I think is an inspiring selection of timeless and magical kinks music. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. There you have it. Very nice. All right. So thank you, Michael. Thank you for that great history. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And we come back, we'll talk about the lesson we learned from this song with Lessons Learned. Hey, folks. Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, we're back. It's time for Lessons Learned. What lesson did we learn from this song? Michael, I'll start with you. What lesson did you learn from Father Christmas? I learned that the most practical gift that you could ask Santa Claus for for Mm -hmm. Christmas Mm -hmm. is a jigsaw because it is the gift that (laughs) you can share with your entire family. Mm -hmm. Uh, One person could use it to scare away other street gangs. Yep. Another person could use it to start a carpentry business. But Santa Claus is not going to get you more than one jigsaw because that is not practical. So if we're going to make this work, you have to fill out the sign-out sheet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's there for. If you don't fill out the jigsaw sign-out sheet, I know it takes a little extra time, 
but it'll make sure everybody gets a fair chance to use the jigsaw. So true. So true. And then you don't overuse yeah. the jigsaw. Yeah. And you know where the jigsaw is. I mean, the, so jig- the jigsaw is for everybody, guys. Yeah. It's an everybody jigsaw. It's an everybody jigsaw. Mm-hmm. So all we're asking you to do is just fill out the sheet. Again, like yeah. I said, it takes yeah. a couple seconds. I mean, how long can it really take to, to sign it out? How and long? then we know where the, and then if someone says, hey, where's the jigsaw? We know where it is. That's it. So that's it. Fill out the sign up sheet for the jigsaw is the lesson that Michael learned from this song. Okay. Here's the lesson I learned. Let's say you didn't have a great year. Okay. I'm not saying you're definitely on the naughty list, but maybe you're kind of skirting. You know, like you're being honest with yourself. You know that like you're definitely like, even if you're on the nice list, you're probably not high on it. So here's what you do. Ask for toys that Santa's probably got a backlog of, mm-hmm. right? He's just, <laughs> he's just ready to get rid of them. So a Steve Austin outfit, yeah. right? Um, maybe like a Popple or a Monchichi, some NSYNC toys or whatever. <laughs> just stuff that he's probably got sitting around on the shelf, That's but he's right. going to be like, you know what? I, I could finally get rid of this stuff. Fine. You weren't the best kid this year, but I honestly... It's worth it just to get rid of this stuff. So sure, you can have a Steve Austin outfit. <laughs> Absolutely. You um, bet. That's, so that's kind of the way you play it. Are they the best toys? No, but at least you get something. That's right. So, and also you got to be a little jerk to your mom and dad all year. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's kind so, of a win-win. Best of both worlds. <laughs> uh, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. What'd you learn? Here's what I learned. It's more of a factoid than a lesson. I learned that unless they're flying... Reindeer don't really know what to do with their bodies. They don't know <laughs> if they sleep standing up, if right. they sleep lying down. Like, if you knock them over, they are just completely unaware of what their bodies are doing. So unless they are up in the air pulling a sleigh, right. they have no concept of what their body is doing. Right. They're like one of those animals that, like, in some contexts... Are like amazing and majestic, right? And yeah. then you take them out of that context, and suddenly they, they don't know what to do. Oh yeah, they're almost like a fainting goat, right? Like a <laughs> yeah. fainting goat, or like you know, like whales think they're so great, but man, you pull them up on a beach, all of a sudden they don't <laughs> oh, got a lot to say. That's right. So majestic. <laughs> so just saying. I guess my other lesson would be if you don't have cows around to go cow tipping. Find a reindeer. <laughs> Find a reindeer. Well, one that's not paying attention because that's the problem with reindeers; they'll just fly away. Yeah, exactly. Like if they see you coming, they just they just go. You know, they can go vertical. They just go straight up in the air. That's and right. Then, and you can't do that. So you really That's gotta right. sneak up. Yeah. That's like the second once you're once you've mastered cow tipping, you move on to reindeer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's that's like the next level. So, um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We wish you the happiest uh, of holidays, mm-hmm. whatever you happen to celebrate. We're hoping you have a good one. We're hoping you're having a great end of the year and then have a great new year's um we'll be back with our annual new year special where we josh around and talk about a whole bunch of random stuff and it's always fun and uh for us and hopefully you agree uh so come back for that if you can follow us on the socials like instagram x and facebook that would be great if you could leave us a five-star review do it come on guys do it for do it for the holidays it's the the gift that Um, keeps on giving go into Apple Podcasts, wherever your podcast, leave us a five-star review. We would certainly appreciate it, and we will read it on the show. Come back for that New Year's special, and then after that, come back for some more great story songs. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. 
We'll talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening and happy holidays and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Our theme music was written and performed by Jason Flowers. Find him on Twitter at Jason Flowers with a Z. Some of our bumper music was provided by Purple Planet Music. Our logo was designed by Dan Geva. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at story underscore song, and on Instagram at story song podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. The Story Song Podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Go to pantheonpodcasts.com. Thanks for listening. It's the story song. I just love when we're recording a part of a podcast that I just know is going to get cut out. Um, <laughs> so when you're just like, oh my God, this recording's so long. Well, it's this, like, no, but it's, it's actually seven seconds shorter. So it's fine. Right. Yeah. But I'm just like, well, this went down a alleyway that led to nothing and ground <laughs> the whole show to a halt. So let me find a pickup point. Here we go. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.